Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beck. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bob in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everybody. I'm Christy. And I'm Bear. We're from The Sleep Teacher. And we are doing things a little bit different this week. We thought we would open the question box on our podcast. So if you've been following along with us on Instagram for a while, you know that we love our weekly question box. And you and guys, so do you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. But we struggle to get through a small minority of them. So we thought that it's so hard on socials, like when you've got, you know, that sort of 30, 45 seconds in stories to share a full answer. So if we opened the question box and we went through and found the top sort of commonly asked questions from last week and we thought we would go through and try and sort of dig a little deeper and give you a more in-depth answer. So yeah, here we go. Here are the top questions from last week's question box. We'll start with tips for transitioning to daycare naps. Might get you to sort of take the lead one on this one, Beck, because you obviously have come from a childhood background and you are still in the realm of daycare naps with your little ones. So obviously, yeah, it is going to be a transition regardless of how old your baby is. You know, you might have a six-month-old going to daycare or you could have a three-year-old going to daycare. And it doesn't really matter if your baby's still napping. There are going to be, you know, transitions and there are going to be practices you want to put in place before they start. So, yeah, what would you recommend back for a parent who is looking at starting their little one at daycare or perhaps having issues with daycare naps? Yeah. So, commonly got this question with parents coming in for orientation and things like that. So, The best thing always, if we can, is to try and help them sleep a little bit better at home if they're really reliant on you or a breastfeed, for example. Bottle feeding is transferable, so that's not as disruptive to them at daycare. So things like trying to introduce a bottle a couple of months or a month before starting daycare so they are familiar with it because we have seen babies refuse to drink out of a bottle. If a lot of parents just come with express milk and the baby's like, cool, what's this? Like, yeah, <laughs> so, and, you know, they're fine, but it's just a bit upsetting for the parent to know that they haven't had a lot of milk that day or sort of refuse. So that can always be really helpful. Yeah, I think, like you said, like if you can get good foundations at home first, it'll definitely make the transition a lot easier. Like we have clients all the time that'll say, oh, my baby sleeps fine at daycare, but at home they don't. And that sort of, I guess, comes down to different rules for different carers and things like that and what your baby's familiar with. But yeah, ideally, if you can get your baby on somewhat of a routine and settling well at home, I think it will make the transition a bit easier. And it doesn't have to be self-settling. You can layer some sleep associations at home. You know, you might feed them and pat them at the same time or just things like that. So even if they're not having the feed, they might have the pat, which is familiar for them, which can help. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's just little things that you can do to help them adjust at 
daycare that the educator is able to do as well. They're obviously like a lot of them can't just, you know, stand and rock your baby because there's eight other children that, you know, also need to go to sleep. So where you can try and settle in the cot is a lot easier for the educators as well. Like even if that's having a bit of a rock in the cot or a padding of the mattress or just things like that in the cot is is going to help as well. Allowing the educator to know what awake window your baby is currently on, how many naps they take. You know, they're probably not going to nap like they do at home in the most optimal sleep environment with the beautiful darkness and the white noise and all the things. You know, a lot of daycares now do use white noise, which is great. So that's helpful. But, you know, they have to do checks every X amount of time. So yeah. there is a lot of there's a lot more going on too. There's a lot of stimulation, a lot of external noises. and yeah. But yeah, I think too, if you can have familiar sleep associations. So if your baby has something that they associate with falling asleep, if that's something you can take to daycare, great. Like a comforter, mm. their sleeping bag, their dummy, whatever it is, something that they associate with falling asleep, it will definitely help make that transition a little bit easier. And as you touched on back too, like just laying down with daycare what you sort of try to achieve at home. So, you know, for instance, oh, we normally aim for the morning nap around 9.30. And one thing we do find is a little bit tricky is some daycare centers have a no-wake policy, so they won't physically wake your baby from a nap, and that can get a little bit tricky. Oh, my gosh. There is nothing worse than turning up at, like, 4.30 and your child's still asleep. <laughs> and, oh, oh. Or, for instance, like when they're on two naps, this is the worst and you they're like, oh, we let them have a three and a half hour morning nap and they've been up since like 11 o'clock. o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, they didn't want that second nap today and you're like, well, no crap. Like they yeah. normally have 30 minutes. Yeah, that can be hard. And also like lower your expectations right down to the ground. So yeah. then anything that happens you're like pleasantly surprised with. That's a bonus. Yeah. So even if you're like, okay, they're not going to have two hours. So opt for three 30-minute cat naps. That is so fine. Yeah. What we want to avoid is your baby's sleep debt getting very high and then them coming home Mm -hmm. and falling to pieces and having a really unsettled overnight sleep because we all know overtired babies struggle to settle and all that sort of thing. So if you can just talk to your you know, educators and say, can you please pop my baby down after X amount of time, even if they have had a 30-minute sleep or two hours? So yeah. just trying to buffer out your day. So come four o'clock, they've had some sort of little sleep, whatever that looks like, or, tr- you know, and then if they haven't, try and get that one on the way home in yeah. the car. Have a contingency plan. Minutes. Yeah. And uh, it's good too with technology these days because a lot of the time too, like they will keep a sleep log, like a virtual sleep log, and you can get on and check what your baby's done. So that might be, you know, in the back of your mind, okay, you're going in to pick them up, sort of having a bit of an understanding as to how their day's gone. So you can have a game plan. But on those days, like I remember with my girls, even if they had napped well, they were still rattled because it's such a big day. Like they don't stop. There's just so much stimulation and they're on the go trying to keep they're up with all the other holding kids. a lot of emotions in, depending on the age, because, yeah. you know, they're at someone else's care and then they let all that go. I uh, see that very frequently now with my four-year-old yeah. <laughs> coming home from kindy. So, yeah, just expecting easy dinner, like quick, easy yeah. dinner that you know that they like that's not going to be a battle. Yeah, it's not the time. The early bedtime. Yeah, not the time to sit down and have a negotiation. <laughs> over eating that piece of broccoli. (laughs) 
And also, if you go and check beforehand what the sleep environment's like, so if, you know, they use a bit of a lockout system, a lot of them have to have open windows so they Mm. can see in. So some that don't use white noise, they'll let you take some in. The Shushi is great for that little portable white noise machine. I take that in for my two-year-old. They don't really use anything. So that's really good and familiar for him. So that works great as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you can also, if you've got the time to do it beforehand and you know the lead up, like the time is coming to start daycare in, you know, three weeks or something, you can start to have days at daycare where if you are still on mat leave, you can go and pick them up at nap time so that they're getting used to that environment beforehand. And then it might be a matter of giving them a chance to go to have a nap. And if they don't, going and picking them up and bringing them home for that nap. Well, and the first morning nap is the perfect one to do that because it's only short. Yeah. And I used to tell a lot of families that if you can just drop them off, they can have a morning play and then we can try and settle them for that little half an hour, 20 minute morning nap mm. and then come and pick them up. So yeah. that's building them up to then, you know, have that hopefully that little bit longer lunchtime nap as well. Fingers crossed. Yeah. (laughs) Pray to all, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then look, always I think it's just good to just have that in the back of your mind to try to aim for an early bedtime, worst case scenario, early bedtime. If they're under sort of, you know, eight months or even a little bit older, you can always still get that quick little nap in the car on the way home if you'd like, just sort of even 10 minutes. But it will mean that, you know, bedtime's pushed out slightly, but not too bad, yeah. We can't all wait it up. 6 p.m. Yeah. bedtime, like it doesn't work. Some children won't get picked up till 6 o'clock. So, yeah. you know, we understand that a lot of family situations and dynamics are different. So, Also, hot tip, ask if your daycare can give them some dinner if they don't offer it, if you can pack it, and they might be happy to do that. So that's yeah. one less thing that you have to worry about when you get home as well. Yeah, 100%. Okay, cool. So I think that sort of covers most of our daycare suggestions just you know be mindful like as Beck said don't go in with expectations because anything is going to be a bonus from there whereas if you go in going yeah my baby's going to nail this they're going to have their normal routine you're only going to probably feel a little let down when they don't so yeah don't and have the expectations. Gr- yeah, the girls and, and the educators are pretty good at getting you know the bubbies and the kids to go to sleep like they don't want a whinging baby walking yeah. around. And just so many times, you know, I'd show someone, this is where all the toddlers sleep on those little floor beds, you know, 12 of them. And they're looking at me like, they're not going to sleep there. And they do. Like, it's, yeah. you know, so just try not to worry too much. It's stressful when you're starting a new place and you're putting your baby in somewhere, you know, then you're relinquishing that control. But yeah, low expectations and then just dealing with the outcome of the sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Is your little one an amazing sleeper? You can pop them in the cot and they'll happily go to sleep unassisted, but there's still that one pain point you can't get on top of. Whether it be transitioning from naps, early starts, fragmented night sleep, false starts, whatever it is, our quick fix consult is perfect for you and your family. We can go through your situation, identify what is causing that one little issue and put a plan in place and restore sleep to your house. All you have to do is go to our website, book in that 30-minute consult and sleep is on its way. So the next question that came through, and we do get this one every week, was help. We are traveling to another time zone. What do we do? How do we maintain a routine? Oh gosh, like I get it. It's, yeah, it's not 
And I haven't been game enough to travel with babies yet. <laughs> Travelling overseas or like to another time zone with a baby, like just getting on a plane with a child is enough to give you anxiety, let alone like adjusting a routine when you've probably got a good thing going on, especially if you've spent a while like getting that routine in place. And look, in my experience with travelling when our girls were babies as well and obviously working with clients, you do need to have that grace period and be mindful that, hey, I'm an adult and I am feeling a little bit jet lagged. I've got that, you know, it's that weird in between feeling where your internal body clock doesn't match the outside world. So you're feeling like, okay, cool, well, the sun's up, but I'm feeling like I've got to go to sleep. And it just takes a while for that jet lag to sort of adjust. And there are things definitely you can do to sort of ensure that you make that adjustment a little bit easier and as quick as it can be. But like I said, do please allow for that grace period. So if you're going overseas for a couple of weeks, like don't make too many plans that first day. I know we're all excited. I know we all want to just get in and enjoy the holiday, but I wouldn't probably make plans to have, you know, a massively late night or jam-packed full of activities because your routine's going to need a little time to adjust. So basically when you arrive at your new destination. Just remember, it's a strange place. We need to give them time to get used to their new sleeping environment as well. So going through like just getting them used to where you're sleeping and just make them feel safe. So give them time to explore and have some playtime in that room rather than just getting them straight there and expecting to be able to fall asleep. You want to try to aim for the same awake window before bed. So if you normally would allow three hours awake time before bed, try to stick to that as well on your first night. So yeah, it might mean that your baby's going to bed at say, you know, 8.30 as opposed to to 6.30. Say for instance, if you're going to a time zone two hours ahead, but just make sure that awake period before bed is the same. Because if your baby's napped in the plane or something, you don't want to get off the plane and go, oh yeah, it's, you know, 7.30. I better get you to sleep. You normally go to sleep at 6.30 because more than likely they're probably going to fight it because they're not quite ready. So just make sure you have that lead up, that awake window is the same. Even if it means a bit of an earlier bedtime or a bit later, just make sure that's the same. Um, once it's sort of getting close to bedtime, just start to set the scene too. So start like dimming the lights and doing what you would at home, like pop on the white noise and have your milk and things like that. But from there, you're probably going to find too that potentially your baby may wake overnight and it may be a period of wakefulness because hey, we're in a new, different time zone. So if you do... The circadian rhythm's out. The circadian rhythm is going to be well and surely out. So if you find that they're awake, and this can happen, look, with, you know, when you're traveling to, say, you might go from Australia to America where morning and nights are completely opposite. So you may find it more in those situations. Your baby will wake. You know, you might find that... A couple of hours. <laughs> party time. <laughs> 2 a.m. is the time to be up, I've heard. So... Yeah, if you find that, what I would recommend is just trying to keep it very boring. Don't get your little one up and turn on all the lights and don't put screens on. No, yes. As much as you're just like, I want you to go back to sleep. Don't offer like iPads or TVs and phones and things like that because that sort of external stimulation is going to set their circadian rhythm. It's going to encourage it the next night and the next night. Also, any melatonin that is on board for your little one will be gone. <laughs> yeah, those sleep hormones will drop. Yeah. So we really want to try and keep that sleep environment conducive for sleep. So just think that if they are up that first night for, say, an hour, 
you really want to try to the next night lessen the awake time if you can. So try to like get close to like 45 minutes before they've resettled and try to reduce that as the night goes on. And you will find that they will adjust and those periods of wakefulness overnight will get shorter. But you just want to make sure that you aren't exposing them to those factors that help set their internal body clock, such as food, light, and social interaction. Because if your baby normally wouldn't be feeding in the middle of the night and you know they've had good feeds, I wouldn't be getting them up and like taking them to get food and turning on the lights and and playing with them because it's not going to work in your favor. (laughs) But the next day, regardless of how many night wakes you've had, try to get them up and start their day. Try to get them up and expose them to the light. Take them outside and, you know, start your day around that sort of 7.30 in the morning if you can. I know that you'll feel like it's the last thing you want to do, but it will help you both. So get up, get your day started, and that will mean that you then know on that next day when to aim for that nap. So rather than sleeping in and waking up at 10, 30, 11 in the morning going, oh, no, crap, like what do we do for our naps now? You're going to know. You're going to know that, okay, cool, we've been awake since 7, 7.30. I know my baby normally wakes this time at home. I know what time you have your next nap. So look, obviously take that with a grain of salt because you may find they're, like they may be a little bit more tired. So you might find that they need their nap 15 minutes earlier than they normally do. And that's fine. But just try to keep it somewhere in that sort of guide of what they normally would sit at. And similar to what we were saying about daycare, try not to have too many expectations in terms of how long it's going to take you to adjust and things like that. And don't feel pressured to have the naps in the room. Get them out, get them in the pram, get them in the carrier. Those naps are just as good. And if they normally have a short nap and a long nap, have three short naps if that works better for you. Like you just make sure that they're not getting overtired, their sleep tank isn't too low and yeah. Still prioritize the naps, but they just might look different. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, with the planes as well, people get really worried about taking their child on the plane and like are quite stressed about it and worried what people are going to think if their baby cries. You know what? If it's not your child, you really couldn't care less. <laughs> and I think people have sound like cancelling headphones these uh, days if they don't have kids with them. So, oh, honestly, you know. I always go, I feel sorry for them. I wish I could go and help. But because they know you are doing everything in your power. Oh my gosh. Reduce oh, crying. But you I know, remember you- once, like on the plane, it was so bad. We were coming back from Bali, I think, and it was like, the red eye flight, so 11.30 at night. And I remember I had Minka and she must have been like eight months or something. And I was giving her milk so that her ears like didn't pop. And I had her over my shoulder and she projectile vomited on the person behind me, like projectile vomited this bottle of formula all over this person. And we were just taking off. And I was like, oh my God. That is actually mortifying. We got six hours of this. Oh, it was repulsive. That will haunt me. Were they okay? What, did they? No, they weren't very happy, but like I couldn't do anything. It just went all over their pants, all over their shoes. And I was like, oh no. What? It was, and I was a guy like traveling solo, like mid 40s, probably just like, this is hell. <laughs> but you know what? Anyone smelled like formula. It's not nice. So. Anyway, go travel with your kids. Please, please do. (laughs) I am all for having holidays with your kids if you can make it work. I think, yes, at the end of the day, it's just parenting in a different place. But, 
you're never going to second guess those memories. Like you'll always have a horror story, but you'll have so many more memories that'll outweigh the bad ones. So just do it. Get a nanny or take the grandparents. Okay, so the next question, third and final one today is transitioning from three to two naps. This one is like probably out of all the nap transitions, I reckon we get asked this one quite a bit, don't you? Like this would probably be the most common. That one and two to one. Yeah, two to ones can get tricky if they're used to a really long morning nap as well Mm. or if they do it too early. But Oh, I loved going from three to two because it just freed up my day so much yes, more. It opens up that afternoon. Oh. And that nap becomes so tricky from like six months onwards, yep. but they still definitely need it. Well, most kids still need it and it just is a bit of a nightmare, especially if yep. you've got other kids Yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, it's just that annoying part of the afternoon. But yeah, naturally such a hard nap to get in anyway because they don't have the biological nap windows at that time of the afternoon. So it means like their body temperature, their sleep hormones, they're not there. They're not ready for zero sleep drive. Yeah. So we always refer to it as a forced nap anyway. So you really essentially are forcing your child to have a sleep when they're not ready, but we know like they physically can't get through to bedtime without being a wreck. So we need to force them to have that sleep. So yeah, it's always a hard one. And as you get closer to sort of six, six and a half months, it gets ridiculously hard. But we don't want you to drop it too early because it's not going to help it as tempting as it is. We just really want to make sure that you have given more awake time before saying, okay, they're just not interested. So even if that means start settling them at five o'clock rather than 4.30, like yeah. you know, some six-month-olds just need more time and sometimes you might have to weigh up, do I have to wake them 15 minutes earlier? from lunch nap just for a month or so just to keep that third nap for a little bit longer until they can tolerate that bigger awake window, which can sound not productive, shortening the lunch nap, but just if they're on that lower end of six months, sometimes they just can't cope with the lunch nap stopping at sort of 2.33 and then this big awake window till 6.37 at night. Yeah. Typically, we would recommend holding on to that third nap until sort of between seven to eight months. Most babies can be closer to eight, but yeah, around seven, between seven to eight is when we would see it drop off. And sometimes babies will play jump rope with that nap for a while. They'll go three, one day, two the next, and it might take them a little while to transition. But yeah, you can gradually start to reduce it down. So we would usually recommend like a 30-minute afternoon nap anyway. And from there, you might just get to 10 to 15 minutes before removing it altogether, I guess. Your baby is pretty good at telling you when they need to have it reduced down. If things are going well with that 30-minute afternoon nap and then, you know, they are refusing bedtime and it's becoming much harder, it's just because that 30-minute nap is taking too much of it. And so come bedtime, they're just not ready. So we can either widen out the awake window a little bit from one and a half hours to sort of closer to two And then if that doesn't work, that's when we would say, okay, let's start trimming that down to sort of 15 minutes rather than 30. Another big thing that you'll see is they'll go to bed, but wake up within that sort of hour of bedtime, which means they're kind of starting to treat bedtime like a bit of a nap because again, that third nap has taken away too much of that drive for them. And like Beck said too, you sort of, you do have those two options. Like, please don't just remove the nap because they're fighting bedtime. Like you can look at reducing that nap first or 
increasing the awake window before bed. Mm-hmm. Because what we do find happen if we drop it too early is like we can start to see night wakes, we can start to see early rising. One thing you might find too is if your baby starts having false start, so they're still having that third nap and then waking shortly after, that's probably a good indication that the nap's either too long or the awake window needs increasing too. So there are those factors to consider as well. Another thing we can see happen too with the transition from three to two naps is you might think your baby's ready to drop the nap completely and just aim for an early bedtime. But say they've napped, you know, one to three and you're like, cool, they've had a good two hour nap. I think today's the day I'm going to try to get them through to bedtime. And it gets to say 5.45 and you're like, oh, they're getting tired. They, You know, I don't think they'll last much longer. I'm going to put them to sleep. What we tend to see happen if we go any less than sort of three hours, 15 minutes at the least, they're probably going to treat bedtime as the nap. So you really want to make sure they can stay awake for that period without being overtired or needing to go to bed before the end of that awake window because otherwise, yeah, you're probably going to experience a false start due to the short awake window or being overtired. So it's such a fine line. Once you do drop that third nap, you want to slowly buffer out to a four-hour awake window but we don't want to jump straight there. We want to allow bubs to build a tolerance up. So we tend to find starting closer to just over three hours, three and a half sort of thing. And then, you know, each week or every couple of weeks, just add on a little bit more until you're comfortably at four hours. It's a transition, you know, it's going to be a little bit bumpy and a little bit wakeful some nights. But if you can remain consistent with how you approach that settle and the resettle if they do have some wakes you'll get through it quite quickly and like Christy said you know you might have two days three days without that third nap and then on the fourth day you'll sort of need it again so and that's fine we would prefer you to offer that third nap if there's time even if it's 10 or 15 minutes and then do a bedtime it's always going to work better in most cases yeah, and it's good too to have a little fallback there if you've got a late night, like you've got to go out for dinner or something and your bedtime can't happen super early, you know you can still fall back on that third nap. Even if it's 10 minutes in the car, it'll do the trick. Mm-hmm. Well, that is it for our question box. We hope that those answers have helped ease your minds a little bit. There obviously are so many that come through every week, but we will continue to open the question box and take through the ones. We will bring the ones across here to the podcast that we feel can be discussed a little bit more in depth and yeah, and give you those answers that you need. So it's bye from us for now and we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night.